Before we start, I just want to let everybody know that this podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you will get 10% off on your first purchase. That's promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. It is Tuesday, December 2nd, 2020. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Little, little tiny, little bit of news broke. You had some minor players going out and signing. Uh, I'm guessing they were probably arbitration deals or or close to arbitration deals. I don't know. I don't know a lot about that stuff. I I should probably read up on it. But you saw several kind of one-year deals with uh, minor deals with with certain teams. I'm not really going to discuss all those. We'd be here too long, and I don't really have much to say about them. Like you had Joe Ross. I believe signing a one-year deal to play back with the Nationals. And I don't really have much to add to that. There was one slightly significant signing. It doesn't really impact the Tigers, but it does speak to something that I think the Tigers haven't really addressed in a while, and I do want to talk about that. And that is that Trevor May, formerly of the Minnesota Twins, so I guess divisional opponent, Twins lose a reliever. I guess it does have some impact on the Tigers. Received, it looks like, a two-year $15 million contract by the New York Metropolitans, the first big purchase, I guess, of the Steve Cohen era there. Uh, Trevor May, pretty solid relief pitcher. I guess the numbers in his career aren't very pretty. 4-4-4, ERA 1-3-0-4 whip, but after coming back from injury and missing all of 2017, his last three years have been pretty darn good. 3-1-9 ERA with a 1.080 whip and a 3.56 FIP. 12.2 strikeouts per nine innings. Hard throwing right-handed relief pitcher. A good signing for the Mets. No, hopefully with the culture change there, the whole Mets are going to met Uh, scenario will kind of be thrown out the window there. Similar to the Detroit Lions in that aspect. I mean, they're more successful than the Lions, but there have been guys in the past, many a guy in the past who has gone to New York and on paper looked like is going to do wonderful things and either gets injured in some weird fluky way or never really pans out. Trevor May, a good acquisition. He pitched some good baseball for the Twins over the last several seasons. That's really all I have to say about that signing. Doesn't impact the Tigers a bunch, but it does remind me of the fact that The Tigers do still have a bullpen, and the Tigers do still need bullpen help. Now, in a shocking twist, the group that, in my opinion, showed the most promise at the major league level for the Tigers in 2020 was actually the bullpen. You got some good baseball out of some of these guys. Brian Garcia was sensational. Daniel Norris pitched the best baseball I'd seen him pitch maybe ever in Detroit in that kind of long relief role. Jose Cisnero was pretty solid. Gregory Soto, hard-throwing lefty. I mean, a lefty that throws 100 miles per hour, you're going to find a spot for him somewhere in the bullpen. He needs to work on things, needs to work on consistency, needs to work on mechanics and strike throwing and definitely work on his off-speed stuff. He needs to work on developing that slider a little bit more, but he has a lot of upside. I'm not saying this bullpen was sparkling. You still had Joe Jimenez, who was a gas fire last year, but I think they showed a little bit more promise than we'd seen from this team in recent memory, and this is where I think Illich and Avila would actually be better suited to go out and get a guy for a one-year deal. You know, they love handing those out. That's essentially all they've done over the last several years is kind of nickel and dime and grab these guys for one year, five million, one year, seven million, one year, eight million. I would like to see a move like that to kind of supplement the young roster or the young core of relievers that they have right now. Now, the one thing about this bullpen is passable at points. I'm not going to say it was good because it wasn't. I'm just saying they showed promise. The one thing about every single guy in that bullpen, even the more established guys like Jimenez, as bad as he was a season ago, none of them 
have proven that they can be successful and pitch consistent good baseball over a full 162-game season. Brian Garcia was marvelous a year ago over 60 games, but there were many in advanced number, in advanced statistic that showed that Brian Garcia got a little bit of, got a little bit lucky. His FIP was a bit higher than his ERA, had I believe the lowest strikeout rate of any pitcher in baseball in terms of, of relief pitchers a season ago. Hard hit rate wasn't was about average, so it's a lot of things support that he would not have been able to maintain the consistency that he was able to maintain through a 60-game season. So none of these guys are necessarily established guys, and there's a lot of relief help out there. There is every year. It's kind of, I've talked about this from the beginning and it's why I've always kind of pushed back against even the the general basis of this rebuild where it's like, I don't understand why you're building around pitching when there's so much pitching that's already out there that you can acquire. It's so much easier to just sign free agent pitchers than it is to develop pitchers through the farm system, but they've committed to it. That's the way things are now. There's a lot of guys out there and, and this is a bullpen that I think needs a little bit of help. I don't know if you should go out and make a move to sign Liam Hendricks, who over the last several years, over the last two years, has probably been the best closer in the American League. I'm not saying sign him to some massive deal, but you know that there's guys out there. There's those guys who you can dish out those one-year, $8 million contracts to who, even if they don't pan out, even if they don't pitch well, can be a veteran presence in the clubhouse. You Obviously, you want them to pitch well, but low-risk, high-reward type of guys, and if they pitch really, really well, they could be good trade bait for you at the deadline. I mean, look no further than what the Tigers got for Justin Wilson. Justin Wilson, a good reliever, not elite, not one of the best, not Josh Hader, but he was solid, had a very good year for the Tigers, you know, for the very good first half for the Tigers in 2017. Hard-throwing lefty, there was a lot about him that was very appealing. He he ended up getting, and you of course packaged Alex Avila in that deal, but you ended up getting Jamer Candelario and Isaac Paredes out of that deal. Obviously, jury's still out on Isaac Paredes. Jamer Candelario was tremendous this season. Hopefully, he'll be able to sustain that consistency in 2021. It's just something I felt like was worth talking about because because even I've overlooked it. There's been so much talk in the media and on social media everywhere about how this team needs help in the lineup. They need to add bats. All of that is true. They need to add another starter. Again, also true. But we've kind of ignored the bullpen, and that's surprising because what's the number one reason why this team wasn't able to get over the hump and win it all when they were really rolling circa 2011 through 2014? It was because of the bullpen. The bullpen cost them several playoff series. They showed promise a season ago. There were guys who pitched above average baseball, which considering how bad things have been over the last several years is actually saying something. I can't remember the last time they signed a reliever. I'm I'm sure I'm missing somebody, and I know Francisco Liriano pitched some baseball out of the bullpen, but I can't remember the last time they signed a reliever to a one-year deal. And I guess probably that the Joe Nathan deal made them a little bit gun-shy, but come on. Let's sign some good players. Let's go out. Let's get a reliever, put him in the back end of the pen or even in the middle of the pen, and and tell Joe Jimenez to kick rocks, and you might have an all right pen next season. I don't know, just a thought. All right, when we come back, I'm actually I'm going to get negative again because yesterday on the show I talked about what Major League Baseball did right in 2020. Well, today I'm going to talk about what they did wrong because there was plenty of things. I'm going to discuss all of that when we return. We'll be right back. The improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser. 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors, 12 other original flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew, and Built Bars are healthy. 
Built Bar is great for the health conscientious guy or girl. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Coming up on Locked On Tigers this week, going to be talking about all the hot free agency news. Guys are starting to sign. You're starting to hear some rumblings. That hot stove heating up a little bit. Going to talk about what that means for our Detroit Tigers. And, of course, this Friday I will be doing my weekly mailbag segment that we do in the offseason. So if you want, you can send those questions to this show's Twitter account, at Locked On Tigers. Thank you very much for listening. And we are back, everybody. So as I mentioned at the end of segment one, I talked yesterday about what Major League Baseball did right because everything wasn't all terrible. There were a lot of frustrations, and I get it. And I was as frustrated as anybody, but there was some good things that happened, and I discussed those things yesterday. Today, I'm going to talk about what Major League Baseball did wrong in 2020. Now, I could fill a lot of time. I could do an entire show talking about what I think they did wrong in 2020, and I could fill an entire week's worth of podcasts just talking about what Major League Baseball does overall that annoys me. I could spend days talking about how poor of a job they do of supporting their minor leaguers. I could talk about how poor of a job they do of marketing players. We're going to ignore that stuff for today. We're just going to talk about in this calendar year, so from from January 1st of 2020 to now, December 2nd, 2020, what did Major League Baseball do wrong to kind of screw this thing up? There are several things, and we're going to talk about them right now. Number one, and it's the big one, everyone's probably going to be talking about it for several years now, the labor negotiations. Now, I spent so many shows, too many shows, talking about this stuff, because believe it or not, I find it boring. The fact is, there was no other sports going on. There was nothing else going on in the world. Everyone was at home. I guess at that time, I was probably working back back at my uh, normal job. But still, I mean, that that's beside the point. Everyone was yearning to watch sports again. Everyone was yearning to watch baseball again. And they the, the twiddling of the thumbs that they did was egregious. And I've like I said, I've talked enough about who's to blame. Was it the owners? Was it the players? You guys know where I stand on that stuff. But... It was so frustrating and will always be frustrating to me. This, to me, and I, I I, know this is kind of vindictive, and I am somebody, as I've gotten older, who's tried to learn to let things go and let go of grudges, but I will never get over that. I will never get over how much they screwed that up, and I will f- take to my grave the fact that this could have been up to a 120-game season. They chose to screw it up. And the tediousness, the lethargy of that process. I mean, they were uh, apparently communicating with each other via telegram because you you heard about something every five days. Hey, we got a deal in place. Five days later, players, nope. Okay, back to the drawing board. It took so long. This thing bled out like a pig in the sand. And we were left with a salvageable but very fluky 60-game season. I think that was that's a legacy tarnishing thing. I will I won't forget that. And truthfully, I love baseball less than I did at the beginning of this year because of that. Because you understand these guys they live in their their ivory towers, right? They're all rich millionaires. But you want to believe that when push comes to shove, in the app in the moment in which you need baseball, that baseball will do all they can to be there for you. That wasn't the case in 2020. I'll never get over that. I'll never get over how badly they screwed that up. Another thing they screwed up were a lot of the rule changes. Now, I praised 
the DH in both leagues. I talked about that yesterday. I uh, got pretty passionate talking about how happy I was with having the DH in both leagues. But there were several other rule changes that I thought were completely ridiculous. The biggest one to me, the extra inning rule. Starting off with a runner on second base in extra innings was as fluky and as ridiculous as they come. The seven-inning doubleheaders didn't bother me as much because those made sense because you had COVID outbreaks and you were playing so many games in in such a short time span that you didn't want these bullpens to be taxed. You didn't want these pitchers to be taxed. Let's do seven-inning doubleheaders. Let's try to get this thing wrapped up. I I was okay with that. Going forward, I'm not. But for a one-year thing, sure. The the runner on second base and extra innings never made much sense to me. I guess the idea was we're going to try the try to get the game over with quickly, and I, I'm sure they did, but when you really think about it, how many baseball games a year go 13, 14, 15 or more innings? Like, very few. It really does not happen often enough for them to freak out and say, oh, we gotta start with a runner on second and extra innings or else people are gonna die. No, shut up. What are you talking about? Like, I understand they did it in the World Baseball Classic, but once again, World Baseball Classic, as fun as it is, and it's, it's electric, it's cool, it's neat, they abide by their own rules. That's a very different environment. That's not Major League Baseball. Those players are not getting paid to play in the WBC. And let's say, you know, hypothetically, let's say Mike Trout were to play in the WBC and get injured, the integrity or the likability of the entire event is kind of compromised. You you do try to get these games over with a bit more quickly, and as, as a thing you do once every four years, a novel idea, I don't have a problem with it. It never made any sense to me why they went about things with that rule the way that they did. It was always a head-scratcher in my opinion. The last thing that baseball did wrong in 2020, and I guess this seeps over into 2019 as well because this is a story that just won't end, the handling and the response following the punishment for the Houston Astros cheating scandal. Look, I've gone back and forth with the Astros cheating scandal, and a big reason is, you know, I've, I loved watching the Astros over the last several years, and I think there was a little bit of unacceptance on my part that a team that I had gotten so much joy out of watching had cheated, and once I, I listened to the sources, I listened to several people talking about what sign stealing does to a team, how important it is for a team, the strategic advantage that it gives a baseball team, and I think I was a little bit naive. I, I openly admit that. They had their punishment, and people were angry about the punishment, and in hindsight, I completely understand the anger, but this is where the lack of a steady hand, the lack of leadership in Major League Baseball really just screws everything up. If Rob Manfred was smart, he would have came out and said, hey, we talked to X amount of players, X amount of coaches, X amount of managers. Here's the punishments. Here's why we came to that conclusion. Here's why we didn't take the title. Here's what we believe. Now, there would have been people who said, I don't agree with that. And that's fine. But the fact is, his fumbling in terms of how he explained the punishment was comical, ultimately cultivating in that ridiculous, embarrassing, fireable offense comment that referred to the World Series trophy as a piece of metal, a statement that continues to get mocked to this day and will probably stick with him for the remainder of his time as commissioner. That story was posted by Ken Rosenthal on The Athletic, I believe, in November of 2019. We have gone... 13 months now. We've gone through a worldwide pandemic, an election, all this insanity, all this nonsense, and that story still lingers like a stinky fart 
across Major League Baseball. And I think a big reason for that was because you had a guy at the helm and Rob Manfred who really fumbled the whole situation. He fumbled the punishment and even more so, he fumbled the explanation for the punishment. And that's why that story continues to linger. So those are the things that Major League Baseball screwed up in 2020. There were many, many more, but those were the three that stood out to me personally. That will do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at castellani two o You can follow the show on Twitter. Please do that at LockedOnTigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a written five-star review of this program. It would be much, much appreciated. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. And sticking with me, I will be right back here tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day, and go Tigers.